0: Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our studies in in the New Testament book of Acts, and today we'll be in chapter 1, verses 20 through 26. But in order to keep our passage in context, I will begin reading with verse 15 of chapter 1. The Word of God reads this way. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, altogether the number of names was about a hundred and twenty, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, akaldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. According to this passage of scripture, as we had previously discussed, the prophecies had to be fulfilled. That is always a principle in scripture. And just like the prophecies of Judas's betrayal had to be fulfilled, which we had covered in our last session together, so also was Judas' replacement foretold, and those prophecies also needed to be fulfilled. So after much prayer, uh, Peter was impressed by the Holy Spirit uh, with the instruction in two psalms, and he quotes from the two psalms. His first quote is from Psalm sixty-nine twenty-five, which says, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it. That is a prophetic declaration of the one who would betray Jesus Christ. And the second quotation comes from Psalm 109, verse eight. Let another take his office. So based on the, the uh, declaration of these two Psalms, Peter felt confident in, a, in uh, addressing those that were gathered around him that this was something that needed to be done. Uh, the uh, 12 had to be established before the coming of the Holy Spirit. Let me make just one point that, you know, here is Jesus or Peter uh, standing up before the uh, brethren that had gathered to pray, and he is uh, speaking to them as leader of the group. And this is consistent with what Jesus had assigned to him uh, before his crucifixion. There are several passages, but one um, uh, serves as an example in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It reads this way, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren." You might also remember the story after Jesus had risen from the dead and the disciples had been out fishing all night and uh, in the morning Jesus approached them. and That was the opportunity for Jesus to restore Peter completely into, not just into fellowship, but also into the calling of his ministry. That's found in John chapter 21. And you will remember, you know, P- Peter had denied Jesus three times. And so on that day, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And so what did Jesus say? He said, Peter, feed my sheep feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Let me ask a follow-up question based on the scripture that we've been studying and these quotations that Peter brought to the group. Why is it so important that scripture be fulfilled? And let me uh, propose uh, two things. Number one, if one part of scripture is not fulfilled, then the rest of it would come into question. And second point is if if scripture comes into question, then would we not be tempted to think that it is a lie and that God is a liar? But instead, every prophecy that has been spoken has or will be fulfilled just exactly as it has been spoken. For example, you remember in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it said Jesus, or the Messiah, would be born of a virgin. And we know that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it said Messiah would be born... Specifically, in the little town of Bethlehem, and Jesus was born there, just as the scriptures said. In Isaiah 53, it speaks about the crucifixion, the death and crucifixion of the Messiah. And this was prophesied, prophesied long before the Roman Empire ever came to existence or ever invented crucifixion as means of execution. In Psalm 34, verse 20, it says that not one bone would be broken. And in fulfillment of that, the Gospel of John says this, John chapter 19, verses 34 through 37. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out And he who has seen and has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Listen to Psalm 22 written by King David long before Jesus ever hung on the cross. And yet it's so descriptive of what Jesus experienced on that cross. Psalm 22, verses 11 through 19, it prophetically says this, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me, They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me, They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. you will note how specific this prophecy is regarding the things Jesus suffered on the cross. Each point is verified by scripture, by historical accuracy, and by science of the sufferings of anyone who was crucified. So just as the prophecies have been fulfilled exactly like they were written, then we can also be assured that the prophecies yet to come will also be fulfilled just as it is written and this should be bring a measure of confidence and comfort for us in this day in which we live where everything just seems to be so crazy and spinning out of out of control we can be comforted because we know what has been written will happen just as it has been proclaimed and It has been proclaimed that Jesus is going to return. And Jesus is going to reign over all the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. I was reminded of the passage in the little book of Jude, which is just before the book of Revelation. In verse 14 and 15, it says this, and now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so we can be comforted in knowing that everything that God has said, he will do. But Let's return now to our passage before us. In the book of Acts. In verse 21, let me read this again. Therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went at in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So the qualifications to be an apostle of Christ is that they had to have accompanied Jesus throughout his entire ministry, to have heard him teach, to have been a witness to the to the miracles and the deliverances and even the raising of the dead during that time frame. They had to have been baptized by John the Baptist. They had to have been an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ being fully convinced that Jesus is alive. Being an eyewitness adds credibility to the testimony. It would also just lock in the faith so that nothing would ever shake them from the work that God had called them to do. So a choice had to be made. And after much prayer, two names, came to the forefront. And while these men proposed two names, I want to remind us that it is God who chooses. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. They used the casting of lots on that day to make a choice. One, shall we say, one stone, don't know quite what it was, had the name of one and one had the other, and don't really quite know how that all worked out, but it was clear to them who the choice would be. This casting of lots had its origin back in the days of Moses and Aaron. Uh, While they did, did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, they did have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit guided the lots to give them counsel and guidance during that period of time. But this casting of lots will be the last time that we will see this practice in the New Testament, because very shortly the Holy Spirit will be poured out to them. And it will be the Holy Spirit from that point on who will guide God's people uh step by step it says in john chapter 16 verse 33 jesus was speaking to his disciples that last night before he was betrayed and he said however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come and in second timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 Scripture says this about itself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Life Application Bible Commentary adds this following observation. The main reason for this process was to make sure that there were twelve apostolic witnesses. They also believed that a twelfth disciple would be necessary to fulfill such promises as Matthew 19.28 and Luke 22 verses 28-30, the twelve disciples sitting on twelve thrones in the kingdom government. The church was regarded as a fulfillment of the Old Testament righteous remnant, those faithful to God, and so must assure its rightful place. The 12 were needed to lead. Because Judas betrayed Christ, he had to be replaced because 12 faithful leaders were needed. The man they will choose is recognized in scripture the twelfth apostle and not the apostle Paul which is commonly believed this is supported by a few passages in Scripture in chapter 2 verse 14 it says and but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words so we have Peter standing with the eleven Peter plus 11 equals, right, 12. But here is a confirmation that that the one that is chosen on that day was included among the 11 as the 12th apostle. Because this took place, this statement was made long before Paul was ever saved. In Acts chapter 2, once again it's affirmed, then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So once again, we have this confirmation of the twelve, long before Paul ever came on the scene. And if that were not enough, then we have Paul's own words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3-5, through where he writes, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. You see, Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. He did not meet the qualifications for the twelve, though he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one who is sent. He's a messenger, a missionary. And it's in that category that Paul is an apostle. But the 12 were specific, and that is for governance on the day that when Jesus returns. So, after much prayer, two men's names rose to the surface. The first one was Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justus, and the second was Matthias. And after casting the lots, Matthias was the one chosen to be the new 12th apostle. And that is the last that we hear of him by name, though as we have seen, we do find him in the company of the apostles. But we do know something about Barsabbas, who is also called Justice. We know that he had been with Jesus throughout Jesus' ministry because that was one of the qualifications for the selecting of the two. He had participated with uh, ministry when Jesus sent out the 70, two by two. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. We know that he had been baptized by John the Baptist because that was one of the qualifications. We also know that he continued to be faithful in ministry and he became a fellow minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ along with Paul and Silas. We read in Acts chapter 15 verse 22 Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas namely Judas, who is also named Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. In this passage, he's more specifically known as Judas. And so why the, why the, uh, the change from in Acts chapter one, Joseph, uh, who was surnamed Justice, right? Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice. Joseph was Hebrew name. Judas was the Greek name. And in Corinthians, we see um, Barsabbas accompanying Paul and Barnabas in their ministry to the Gentiles. And so that is why he is using a Greek name. It's just like Paul. Paul's Hebrew name is Saul. Paul is the Greek name. And so there is that identification with their uh, target audience for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Barsabas was also known as a prophet among the church leaders and uh, had been chosen by God for specific ministry. So again, we're in Acts chapter 15, verses 25 through 27. It says this, It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas, or Barsabbas, and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. But one other thing we know about Barsabbas, or Judas, as it's, he's known in this passage of scripture, that once again he was not chosen. Listen to this. Again, chapter 15 This time, verses 32 through 40. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, and with many others also. And then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed them from Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Did you catch that? So before uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas parted ways, it had been uh, Judas and Silas, who had been serving together with Paul and Bartimus. And when it came time for Paul to choose a new uh, companion in the ministry, he chose Silas. Though uh, our Sabbaths had been faithful and was highly qualified. You know, I kind of, I like, I really like our Sabbath. He reminds me of the apostle Andrew, who was the brother of Peter. It was Andrew during the days of Jesus' ministry who saw the little boy with a lunch that would later serve the multitudes, giving them a delicious meal that day. It was Andrew who thought to bring the little boy and his lunch to Jesus so that Jesus could feed the multitude. It was Andrew who had been a disciple of John the Baptist and who was one of the first, the very first, to meet Jesus and believe in him. It was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. It was Andrew who first declared, that Jesus may be the promised Messiah and yet it was Peter who got all the attention. It was Peter who was part of Jesus' inner circle. It was Peter who was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I like Barsabbas because of his faithfulness, because of his humility. I like him. Because I can kind of identify with him. How about you? Have you been a faithful servant of God in your church and in the ministry, quietly serving, faithfully serving, Um, and others are acknowledged or even promoted? Maybe even promoted to even higher works of ministry and you just keep faithfully pressing on? Let me ask you this question in light of that. Are you more concerned that God be served or that you'll be the one who serves him? The Apostle Paul becomes a wonderful example for us in this. In Philippians chapter one, verses 12 through 18, He writes this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that, in every way, Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. There is a poem that I like to read periodically, which encourages me to quietly persevere in service for my King. I don't know who the author is, but let me read it to you. It goes this way. Master, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. He pointed out a tiny plot and said, tend this for me. I answered quickly, oh no, not there. Not anyone would see how well my task was done not that little place for me. And his voice when he spoke, it was not stern, but he answered me tenderly, little one, search that heart of thine. Are you working for them or for me? Nazareth was just a little place and so was Galilee. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for your word that gives us counsel and instruction and guidance and insight and even encouragement, Lord, as we take a look at the lives of your faithful servants that have gone before us. And we see how they lived and how they served you and how they purposed in their heart to glorify you all the days of their life. That the most important thing was the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the four corners of the world. Lord, it's our desire to be faithful like they were. and It is our desire to be faithful witnesses of that glorious gospel message. To tell, Lord, the people around them, the people that you send to us, of the great and wonderful things that you have done in our lives. And so Lord, I just pray that you will take these scriptures and apply them to the hearts and lives of the hearer today. Send forth your word to accomplish the work for it's been sent. May we be inspired and moved to be bold in the proclamation of Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and who will soon come again. We look forward to that promise, but while we wait, may we be faithful until the end. We ask this in that mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So until next time, my dear friend, may God richly bless you and continue to guide you day by day.